Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Aspen Chapel, and welcome to all those uh, who are live streaming. It's good to have you uh, with us. Um, just a few announcements to make. Um, they're on the back of your service sheet, but uh, there will be um, meditation tomorrow, um, and there'll be a men's group uh, tomorrow evening uh, as well. Then Tuesday, Aspen Noise and Yoga. Um, Vipassana meditation on Wednesday, developing consciousness, um, and um, also insights. Now, Barbara's here. What's happening on insights this week, Barbara? Um, it's just going to be great. It's just going to be great. Insights is. <laughs> it's just going to be great. And that we've started a, a little new thing here um, to have a, a, a meditation and uh, on on Thursdays. And Richard's here just to tell us a little few words as to what's going to be happening on the Thursdays. So you've got two sessions, haven't you? Yoga and meditation, eight fifteen. Yeah. So um, I thought I'd try to do another session on Thursday. Uh, that uh, focuses, I've been doing yoga for 40 years, so I've just introduced people to some of the... Mike, can you hear that? Yeah. Good, okay. Just uh, carry on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Sorry, to I'll introduce people to some of the tools of yoga that they could use in their own personal practice, and it's toward developing a personal practice um, and deepening your personal practice. Experiencing uh, the centering prayers it's taught over at the monastery. So I thought I'd do them both together. They sort of work well together. You could come to one or the other, um, but I'd love to see a few people there, and we'll see if it builds up into a regular um, thing. It'll only be this next Thursday for now, and then we'll do three of them, I think, in, in July and maybe another three in August. It depends. We'll go on after that. Thank you, Richard. That's great. Excellent. Uh, so that's on Thursdays, 8.15 uh, to 10.15. Uh, there's a women's group on that, that date on the 30th, 10 till 12. And then on July the 6th, we're going to do the Roaring Fork Outdoor Volunteers uh, Clearing uh, Some Paths, um, an adult group. If you'd like to be a part of that, it's 5 o'clock on July the 6th. Then you can speak to Elaine at the back of the room who's organizing that. So do feel free to do that. And also um, on July the 8th, we've got that um, integrative Zen practice with the Zen master. So do feel free uh, to come along to that. I'm sorry that uh, um, Paula um, Vasquez, who is our violinist, is ill today, so she's not going to be with us. But we have wonderful music uh, that's going to be from Susan, so uh, um, unfortunately the violinist is not here. But I would like to say, I went to my spirit, anybody here at the chapel for the first time ever in a service today? If you just put your hands up. Um, anybody new? Yes, here we are, just one over there. Are you, are you, there we are, just... Margot's going to help. We're just going to give you a couple of little presents here. So if you don't, Margot, just give a bag there. That's great. And there's a bit of chocolate in that, so uh, don't let it out in the sun. Anybody else brand new? There we are. Just one. Oh, also there, yes. Bit of chocolate in that bag as well, hopefully. So give that out there. Um, anybody else brand new in the chapel today? Well, we're delighted to have you here. And just on behalf of the Aspen Chapel, we'd like to give you a very warm welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Margot, for doing that. That's lovely. Good. So just to take a few moments just to get into the room here. Always so busy in our minds. 
whirring away, organizing things and getting things done. And it's just time to come now and just to be present. Recognizing what we're concerned about, recognizing those thoughts, but just dropping down into our hearts where we can be at peace, letting go of those thoughts and opening ourselves to be present here, just to receive something, receive an aspect of your love, that spirit that looks after us. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ. Amen.
Thank you, Susan. That's lovely. So, Drew, come tell us what's going on uh, downstairs today. Um, so this month we've been talking about service. Um, and today we're actually going to talk about um, service for our families. I don't know if it, if it, it is working. It is yeah. working. Okay, yep. good. Um, service for our families. What can we do for our families, um, our immediate family, our fathers, our mothers, um, Father's Day and Mother's Day have come and gone. Today is Father's Day. Happy, day, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Um, but also our general family, our extended family, how we can reach out and be in touch with them um, and maintain all of those connections. So come join us. Thanks very much, Drew. Yeah, and children, if you'd like to go with Drew now, that would be uh, fantastic. Well, it is Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to everybody. And, you know, it's interesting, like Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's always a difficult time, you know. My father died when I was two, so it's... Uh, so some people haven't got fathers, some people want to be fathers. Just want to acknowledge that it's not always the sort of wonderful, happy day for everybody. Uh, but it's also a day just to reflect, I think, on the nature of fatherhood. Just like in Mother's Day, we reflect on the nature of womanhood. Um, so I thought I'd sort of start by choosing a, a character from the Bible, a father that I thought was, uh, you know, a, a, a good example of, uh, of what fathers are like, and just to be able to talk a little about that. So Mike's going to come out and read to us uh, our reading. This is a reading from Luke 1. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, Abijah. This, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be the joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am old and my wife is well beyond in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you, this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you not 
did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Thank you, Michael. Great. So Zachariah was the father of John the Baptist. Um, and when we first meet him, he's described as a descendant of Aaron. Now, if you remember, in the desert, Aaron was Moses' right-hand man and was also the father of all the priests. He became the Levite clan, which really came from Aaron. And he, Zechariah, was described as righteous and observing all the Lord's decrees blamelessly. So Zechariah had got to the point in his life of right action. And for a man, that's quite a good place to get to. That's a long way to go to get, when, if you get to the point where you are in that moment of right action. And most of us men never actually get to that point where, where, where our life is a process of right action. Because often it's difficult for us to, I don't know if you have, it's difficult for us men to even mark the time when we stop being boys and start being men. You know, we, a lot of us just sort of end up in adolescence all the way through till we die. You know, with women... It's much easier because they have menstruation and childbirth, and that really inducts them into womanhood. But for us men, there's there's no such clarity, which is why many tribes, primitive tribes, invented rites of initiation, where a man would be taken out into the wilderness and shown his place in the world. And that uh, uh, that was often... A humbling moment. Now, one of the people that come here regularly, Richard Raw, um, has sort of become involved in this and, and saw this issue, and he developed a five-day men's rites of passage initiation. And it's quite, if you look it up on the web, it's quite an interesting thing. To, I did it myself in England. And, you know, you spend five days looking at manhood, looking at what you've you've got in your life, looking at what you've not got in your life, and you go off into the wilderness, and you spend a day alone. And it's, it's a, sort of, uh, a sort of fake initiation, but it, it, it's an opportunity to actually mark that point of initiation. And in that, according to him, the purpose of initiation is to teach men five things. The purpose of initiation is to teach men five things. First of all, that life is hard. Secondly, that you are not important. Thirdly, that your life is not about you. Fourthly, that you are not in control. And fifthly, you're going to die. Those are the five things. If you think about them, they really are important lessons that, you know, that life is hard, you know, that you're not important that life's not about you, that you're not in control, and that you're going to die. And these are the key understandings that lead us from boyhood into manhood. That, that is the, those understandings are what, what take us into manhood. And the problem is most of us men just never go through that. 
Instead, we tend to live our lives in this extended adolescence where we think life should be easy and it owes us. We think we are incredibly important. We think that life is all about us. We think that we're in control. And we think that we're never going to die. That's how most of us just carry on living our lives. And that leads to this extended adolescence from which most of us never emerge. We spend our lives trying to succeed in proving ourselves right on all five counts. And life continually reminds us that we are wrong. We keep coming up against that, which is why so many men put such an emphasis on success. Why it's so important. You're just trying to, we're just trying to prove those five things. Again, Richard Raw says that a man over the age of 35 has nothing to learn from success. All the lessons come from failure over the age of 35. It's the lessons of humility that we need to learn. The lessons as men of humility that we need to learn that life is hard, that, that I am not important, that my life is not about me, that I am not in control, and that I am going to die. And that's our initiation. And it puts us, if we get that, in the right place to contribute. And it's not something you can grasp right away. I mean, as a child, we need to feel important. We need to feel that life's about us. We need to feel at ease and in control. And we need to feel that we've got a long life in front of us. But once we've gone through that, once we grow up and we put away childish things, we face the reality of our lives. And those are the lessons that really qualify us to be fathers. Father, the definition in the dictionary is one who exerts parental care. One who exerts parental care. To parent, to bring forth, to give birth to, to produce. And as fathers, our role is to bring forth. Our role is to give birth. Our role is to produce. And we cannot do that while we're concerned and thinking about ourselves. So Zechariah had got a point. You know, he got to that point of initiation. And yet, like many of us, even though he got to that point, his life was unfulfilled. He was childless. Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old, probably about 40 he was old, he was blameless, and yet he'd not given up. And like many of us men, he still carried the flame, despite what life had brought him or had not brought him. He was still serving as a priest, burning incense in the temple, and praying on behalf of his community. And like many men, he carries on his life with his dreams unfulfilled, there is a kind of service in that. There's a great line in Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. And there's an aspect of that in, in many of us men's lives. And it's important to say that that pain in men is often unseen and unrecognized. Yet we do have it. 
You know, we, we bear our pain. And in some cases, we try to get rid of it by buying the Harley-Davidson or, or all those ways that, you know, we do chasing bits of life that will make us feel better, that midlife crisis where really, you know, we just want to prove to ourselves that we are going to live forever, that life is, you know, we are important. We try to sort of, that, you know, again, desperately prove that, that it's still all about us. But many of us, you know, we just bear it. It's a part of the recognition that life is difficult and that we're not important and that it's not about me and that I'm not in control. And, you know, that is quite a high state to be in. If you get to that point, you know, where Zechariah was, it's a high state. Those of us that have lost in life, we have to bear it. And... It's the male aspect that does that. It's the male aspect in our lives that bears it. Even St. Paul admitted to this. He says in 1 Corinthians, I always think it's really interesting, a really male perspective. St. Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there has been given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. And that's often the male state. And it's important, you know, that we all recognize that male state in both men and women and know that it's going on even if we keep our game face on most of the time. And Zechariah definitely had his game face on when he went about his work. As the minister of the Jerusalem chapel, he was going about his business, and then suddenly Shazam, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him and told him all his dreams would come true. He was going to have a boy, but not just... Any boy, but that boy was going to go to Stanford and was going to become vice president of the United States. <laughs> and of course, you know, like all of us men, he didn't believe it. You know, the logical side of the brain said, How can I be sure of this? I'm old and so is my wife, and we have no college fund. You know, what are we going to do? You know, often something comes along in our lives that says to us, You can have what you want. And the result, often, is that we don't believe it. You know, when we get that smell, that glimpse, you can have what you want, we don't believe it. We don't believe it because we think, we think we're not worthy of it. It's never going to happen. We've grown accustomed to the pain. And really, we can't imagine life without it. Or we don't want to believe it because we might have that added pain of it not coming true again that added pain of it just not coming true again. And when finally the thing that we've always wanted comes along, you know, we just will not have it. And part of that is that we're so ingrained to life being difficult with, with us not being important, with life not being about us, not being in control, that when we're finally faced with the very thing that we're holding out for, we just don't go for it. We don't reach out for it. We hold back. 
We don't recognize that this really could be for us. And the result is we become dumbstruck. We become like a rabbit in the headlights. We become dumb, like Zachariah. Zachariah is told by the angel, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Because it is true, the final stages of our lives is to receive that grace which brings us the peace that passes all understanding. We've struggled all our lives, and in that last stage of our lives, you know, we are destined, if we're able to let it, to actually receive that peace that passes all understanding. And the danger is that because of all the lessons we've had to learn in our life, we don't grasp it when it comes along. We're so worried about being disappointed that we just stay where we are and we don't go for it. And as fathers, as those who exert parental care, as those who bring forth, as those who give birth, who produce, our role is to go for it no matter how old we are. That lovely phrase that I mentioned last week from George Eliot, it's never too late to become the person that you might have been. It's never too late to become the person that you might have been. And I think, you know, that's our lesson, you know, as men here in the Aspen Chapel. You know, most of us are a certain age, and it's easy for us to say, well, I've done my bit. Let's just see out the rest of life. You know that, that moment when you buy a new dressing gown, and you think, well, this will see me out. I won't have to buy another one of these. <laughs> you, know, you know, that moment when we just think that. But, you know, there is more to do, you know, particularly here at the chapel. You know, something here is within our grasp. Something is wanting to be brought forth, given birth to and produced. You know, and there are important ideas that we discuss here at the chapel, important visions, important possibilities. And, you know, like Zachariah, we can hear those ideas about something being born that will make a difference. And we can say, no, surely not. I'm old. We're small here. Nothing's actually really going to happen. And also most of us, many of us, are afraid of not being able to fulfill the expectation that people around us have of us. We're often afraid of disappointing people if we set our sights too high. And yet, and yet, as the angel said, I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And of course, for Zechariah, it did happen. John was born. He went to Stanford. He became vice president, <laughs> so to speak. And he wrote that wonderful Jubilati Deo, which some, in, you know, in, a, in more high churches, they sing. But it's, it's, a, it's an amazing hymn of things coming about. This is what he says. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. 
the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And that is a song that we all want to sing. We all want to say that we want to have a light shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the paths of peace. And as human beings and as men, that is our task. It's not just to let it go and say, oh, well, what can I do? Dreadfulness is always going to happen. I can just sit here and hope it goes away, hope it gets better. No, we have to engage with that. That's really why we're here on earth, to engage with that, to give birth to that, that, that freedom from fear. And as men and as women, and there are male side of women, You know, we have the opportunity to go forward with that. We still have the opportunity. You know, we are alive in this. We're still knowing this. We're still aware of the job that needs to be done. And our task as fathers and mothers is to be willing to have this still be possible. Amen. So let's pray. And we do pray for our world and all the fathers and men everywhere around the world. We pray that they may be able to move through the understanding of life, those five points, to a point where they realize that they are a part of something and they have a role to play. We pray for all the leaders of different countries. Pray for that heart to be in them as they help to organize our world. And we do pray for all those in difficult situations, those who are in prison, in hospital, survivors that far in London, people grieving, war zones, people who've lost loved ones, people who feel that life is difficult and it won't be getting better. We pray for their hearts. Pray for our town on this special weekend, all those coming into town to celebrate for those working and food and wine at the moment. Pray for safety and for our valley. Particularly today, pray for the family of Valbrick Karlberg, who died last week. Pray for them as they miss her and they grieve. Also pray for Bud Norris's family. His father died last week. Pray for Patricia Hill and Barbara Orcutt, for Will Welsh, for Anne Hodges, Tracy Houston. Linda Schneider, Pat Smith, Lauren Ann Bauer, 
Jan Metz, Lainey Hers, play for Lee Brogier, who's uh, Mandy Scott's grandmother, for Soli, for Sharon Wells. And we especially pray for the Hicks family, who are leaving uh, to spend a year, a, a year in Europe this week, traveling around Europe, educating their children, just for a year. We just pray you look after them in their journey. Amen.